Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. All the way through uh, this series, we've been talking about the priesthood and how the order is changing. This is significant. I know it seems to be, you think, well, I, don't, I haven't got my head around it all yet, or maybe you haven't, you've got certain parts. This is so important because God is changing the order of our lives. So much of what we do is religious without us realizing it. So much of what we do is ceremonial without us realizing it. You know, we are creatures of habits. Some of you know that. Yeah. And last week we read uh, from, uh, from Hebrews and we read well, many scriptures last week. But we read uh, from Hebrews 6.19 which says, we have this hope. Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's where the old priests used to go. Where you and I could never go. But it says this, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. So someone went, someone did what we couldn't do. Someone did the impossible. Eh? Someone did the impossible for you and I. And he became, it says, he became a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now last week we looked at Melchizedek, who he was, king of Salem, where he, you know, he had no origin in other than he was a king of Salem. But he was the priest of God most high. And how he was a prophetic picture of Jesus, of the Christ who was to come. Because even then, God saw that man had messed up and God came to clear your mess up. How many of you know that? God found fault with the previous priesthood. He found a lot of fault with the previous priesthood. Just like he finds fault with the present priesthood. I want to say the priesthood don't just mean the guys in the collars and the robes. Because the Bible says, you know, we are kings and priests. So anyone who says under, who calls himself a Christian or under the, who works under the name of Christ or under the name of the church, God is watching. Because how many of you know that every church can bring in the presence of God? Many churches settle for ritual, ceremony, and religiosity, where we want to open up the way where people can go all the way and meet him face to face. That's our portion. I believe that. So God has arranged the order. God's changed the order. We're no longer part of the old priesthood, aren't you, glad? And last week we looked at how Jesus Christ became the offering that God was looking for all the time. Through all those offerings being made, the animals being slaughtered, he was never happy. Until one said, I'm going to go down and I'm going to become the sacrifice for the whole of humanity. And Jesus came as God's own son in the flesh, died for us and gave the ultimate offering, sacrifice that would appease his own father. So no more, that put an end to the old priesthood. Right there and then. Don't, boys, by the way, I've got some good news and bad news. The bad news is you're all made redundant. We don't need you. Jog on. The good news is we've now changed position. We've now moved beyond the curtain with him. Can you imagine? Working to get in somewhere and all of a sudden now the curtain's been moved. So the order's been changed. The position's been changed. Well, let me just tell you what that position is. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2. So don't forget, at one point, there was a whole bunch of people who could not get to where God was. So God had to set up all these rituals and regulations just to get them so near but not all the way. And God removes all that and now God changes everything for you and me. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who was far away. That was you and me. And peace to those who were near. For through him, now here's the key, through him. Listen, we both have 
access to the Father by one spirit. Excuse me. So what does it say here? Through him, we both have access to the Father through one spirit. You ready with this church? Listen, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God, with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now there's an awful lot in there. There's an awful lot in there. But that is truth. That's where we've moved to. We've moved from the bulls of goats. Now we've moved to God's dwelling place. Can you see that? So now, it says here, you have a new access. They didn't have access, but you've got access. You can go all the way to his heart now, to, his, to the throne room. They didn't have the access. You have got access. They, where the old priest never could, you now have total access. You've got access all areas. Are you glad? Are you glad now when we come in church? Now we don't have to have religiosity. We don't have to have bells and smells, incense, nonsense. We can raise our holy hands and we can go through one spirit. We can go all the way to our Father. In wor- That's why worship is so powerful. Worship connects you, friends. That's the access point. If you don't worship and release your spirit, then all you will ever have is songs. That won't take you anywhere. That's just called sing a song. Sing along. Yeah, karaoke. Karaoke worship. But when you encourage people to lift their holy hands and to raise and to see, you know, to see Christ and you paint the picture of Christ in the midst, people then begin to have faith and they begin to rise up and they begin to see what you're saying and they begin to touch what you're saying and they begin to experience what you're saying. And now they've seen the same thing you've seen. And then their baby leaps within the womb. Worship does this. Worship is the access. This is why worship must always be set right in the house. You cannot just have songs. You cannot just have musicians playing anything. We want to hit the melodies of heaven. Now, not all our songs, I suppose, not always hit the melody. They're not always the melody of heaven. Sometimes they are the melodies of the soul. Do you know that? But other times, that's where the leader has to come in. And he has to understand that you can only stay in the soul for so long. If you stay in the soul, you either feel depressed, finished, and gone. But Jesus Christ is not of the soul, he's of the spirit. So you have to take people out of their soul and get them in the spirit. Why? Because in the spirit, that's where he speaks. In the spirit, that's where he thinks and communicates to us. In the soul, you're left to what went on the day before, or the week before, or that moment before you came into church. This is why worship is the access point. Worship must always establish Christ in the midst. So they had to worship him from afar, but now you don't have to worship him from afar. You can come all the way. And the Bible says, as soon as we begin to raise him up, he's there in our midst. Why? Because the access point now has been open. Your mouth is an access point. What you declare is an access point. This is why you must always have a testimony. This is why you must always have the word in your mouth. You are the access. 
You, you don't have to be in church to, to witness Jesus. You can be anywhere, anywhere in the car. Just don't close your eyes. But you, in the, you can go anywhere, be any situation, and you can connect in worship with God. It doesn't mean to say you have to stand up and start, la, 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 la. you don't have to do that. But in your heart, you just start praying and worshiping God. You start thinking on it. And before you know it, it's there. It's there. That's how powerful worship is. It's the access. So he says to the church here, you've been given a new access. Worship is the access point. The priest didn't know how to worship him, but we do. Yeah? The next thing he says this, we have access to the Father by one spirit. It's not only that the door's open, that someone's leading us there. Hello? It's not, it's not enough for the door to be open. Someone's got to leave us there. Now, if you're in a British culture and someone's door's open, what don't you do? Why don't you walk in? Because you want to be invited. True? You might stand at the door and go, hello? Hello? It always amazes me in American movies. They open the door and walk in someone's house and, hello? Hello? Thinking, what are you doing in there? Get to the door, you sucker. If someone's in my house saying, hello, hello, how do I know they're going to rob me? Yeah? Stand at the door and you wait to be invited. But my friends, this is an invitation that he's no longer, we don't have to stand at the door and go, hello, hello, Jesus, are you there? The spirit takes us. So the moment Veronica's got her hands up and she's beginning to worship, the spirit sees that she's ready and he takes her by the spirit and he takes her to the father. That's the role of the Holy Ghost. He is looking to see if you're responding. He sees, see, you are a mobile broadcasting center. Do you know that? And inside your heart, there's a dish. We'll call it the dish. Your heart is a dish. So as I begin to get up this morning, as I'm preaching, I am now the broadcasting center. Everybody understand this technology? It's easy. Iggy TV is on. So as I'm broadcasting this morning, your dish is either receiving or it's not. Do you understand that? And what you remember is called Sky Plus. You've recorded it. You can go home later and you can play it. Is this technology too hard for you? If you haven't got Sky Plus, call it Virgin Media, whatever you want to call it. So as you begin to receive what I'm broadcasting, the Holy Spirit takes, Veronica in this illustration, and he takes it all the way to the Father. Through the Son, to the Father. It's not enough for the door just to be open. Somebody has to be doing something. And what the Holy Spirit does, he works Based on what Veronica's doing. Do you understand that? He waits for her to start worshipping. And as she starts worshipping, why? Because that's her voluntary free will contribution. That's her offering to God as she worships him. The Holy Spirit says, well, okay, we've got another one now. We've got a live satellite link up. Let me, she's now a mobile Wi-Fi unit. Wherever she goes, as long as heaven's broadcasting, she can pick it up anywhere she wants. Yes? So she gets, she sinks herself with what heaven's doing. The spirit takes her all the way to the father. That's her privilege. She's got Sky Go. She can go anywhere she wants. All the time, she's got a live uplink with Christ. Doesn't matter. She doesn't have to come to church to wait for someone to speak. She can pick the current thoughts of God anywhere, any place in the world. She has access through the spirit to the father. One spirit. She's not spirits. Yes, we don't just empty our minds. Listen, this is important. We don't empty our minds. We don't just go, let's just, you know what they're doing yoga sometimes, just empty your mind. Anyone tells you empty your mind, tell them to jog on. Never empty your mind. You're never told in the Bible to empty your mind. You're told to think on these things. 
When you open your mind and just let anything in, something, anything will come in. Yeah, it's yours. The Bible says guard it. So as we begin to think on these things, what things are you talking about, Pastor? That which is good, that which is true, that which is lovely, that which is noble, that which is pure, that which is right. Okay, those things are the things of the spirit. The Bible tells us to think on those things. So as Veronica starts thinking on these things, whatever she is in the world, it doesn't matter. Whether she's 10,000 miles away from this place, it does not matter a jot. She's, she's ready to receive what heaven's broadcasting. And when she gets in tune with what heaven's broadcasting, she then starts broadcasting. Her worship is broadcasting. And the Bible says that the moment all the worshippers on the earth start worshipping and lift him up, there he comes in the midst. Yes? And then heaven starts speaking like we heard. Little Sam. Little Sam checked in this morning. Wi-Fi unit. There he is. Right? Now they know he can, he can do this because I've heard them talk. To, but it's the first time I've seen him do it in a public meeting. That's innocence. Oh, beauty. that's one-on-one innocence. Yeah, so he picks the baton up, he comes up and he goes, and I like the way he just holds the microphone, I've just got something to say, I'm just going to give it right now, and I'll say, I'm going to walk, Elvis is leaving the building. <laughs> right, and as he, just, as he just spoke it out, clear, and I like the way he explained it. You know, he held his hands out, there is a preacher in the making there, I'm telling you. That's good, just where he held his hands out, it's great to see that generational thing. And we could understand because he connected, and those who were receiving, some will go, Oh, did you see that little boy today? Sentiment. That's not what we are communicating. Some will get, oh, the little darling. I want to take him home and hug him. No, no, no. Here, what's coming through him? He's just a vessel like you and me. He's, he's been willing to do it at that age. Some of you still won't be willing. He was already set up. Why? His words were taking us, giving us access by the Spirit to the Father. Amen. So it's important that we understand this. What he's saying is not just words. It's powerful. Yes. We have a mediator. Christ Jesus. We have the Holy Ghost. It's given to us. We have one father. So when you're beginning to worship and you're beginning to, whatever it is, whether in the car or in the home, don't empty your mind. Never empty your mind. Begin to start focusing on what you've heard, what you've received, what you know. And begin to declare that. Speak that out. There's no formula. To say we do it this way, that way. Just begin to let the words come out. Okay? So say, well, I need to write a prayer down because my prayers are not good. Hey, God's looking for sincere prayers, not formulated prayers. That's why it always amazes me in the book of prayers in the church. It's the same prayer every week. We go, yes, amen, hallelujah, Father. It's the same every week. God's saying, oh, not that book of prayers again. Not that book of prayers. Why do you pray what I'm saying? Know what I said 2,000 years ago. Say what I'm saying. I couldn't sit in that. I want to get up and say, give me that microphone. Let me prophesy. Let me preach. Let me pray. Let's bring a new spirit into the place. Amen? I don't want traditional prayers. I want heartfelt prayers. Amen? Then he says this. You're no longer classed as foreigners, but fellow citizens. In other words, we've changed our address. We've changed our address. Part of me lives in, on the earth, Part of me lives in heaven. My address is heaven. But my responsibility is on the earth. Yes? You've changed your address. So you might call yours Heaven Boulevard. You might call your house Hell's Gates. I don't know. But I know my citizenship has changed. And uh, it's important that we get a new address. You know why? Because all the mail is coming to my new address. 
When God sends me new mail, spirit sent messages, he doesn't send them to Capitol Row where I live. He sends them to heaven. That's when I'm in the cloud. I've not got my head in the clouds, but, you know, the, the spiritual cloud, as they call it. I pick all my mail up from Christ and God, as he's speaking to me through the spirit, I pick it up. Because that's where he's transmitted it. That's what he's left it for me. In the spirit. So I've got to go into the spirit to get my mail. Does that make sense? So he's saying, what's he on about clouds and... Technology is called the iCloud or the cloud. Not heads in the cloud. Yes. And then he says this, you're no longer foreigners or citizens. That's why we can have multicultural church. We can have all the nations in one church. Why? Because we're no longer foreigners. We're no longer aliens. It's not a white church. It's not a black church. It's not a yellow church. It's not a Chinese church. It's a church. Amen. And then he says this, you are not only Clusters, uh, or should I say, not clusters, foreigners, and, and uh, but you're now citizens. It says here you are members of God's household. God counts you as His member. You know there are some houses you can't get in. Try and get in the House of Lords. Try and get in the House of Commons. There's some houses that you and I can never be part of. Do you know what? You can, you can be a part of, or Carol became a part of my house when she married me. Do you know that? And I became a part of her house when I married her. But I can't be a part of Phil's house because that's lineage and that's his name. I'm not going to certainly marry him, right? But there's certain, there's only limited options of, of houses you can join on the earth. But God says he's made you a member of his household. His household. How do you like that? So I'm a member of his household. And that means father's taking care of everything. Father's in the house. I've got peace. I've got security. I've got, uh, he guards the house. I don't have to worry that no thief and no moth is going to come in and steal anything that dad's got in the house. Why? Because in his house, he's protected. The devil, he's, God's not batting down the hatches thinking the devil's going to raid him. The devil's not allowed anywhere near God's house. He's not allowed. Because it's God. God's already defeated him. Kicked him out a long time ago. He's got no chance. But this house isn't just any house. This is built on a foundation. This is built on a foundation. It's important it's built on a foundation. Why? Because that's what makes it unshakable. You'll see throughout the the seasons of the world, how many houses get washed away? Because of mudslides or because of... How many houses get shaken because of earthquakes? When I was in the Philippines, I saw a whole valley disappear. Because of a mudslide, the whole valley went. And by the time I got there, I began to see the aftermath of this, this um, natural disaster. And a whole, an entire valley had disappeared. The road had just gone, boom, in one moment. And these houses were all built on, they weren't built out of concrete, they were just shacks. So that the wooden poles would just be pushed in the ground. And on an, any given day, it's okay. But the moment the weather changes and something shakes, the whole lot's going. And hundreds of people got killed. So when we went there, uh, there was a whole valley there of refugees and people that put camps and tents there. And water was being pumped in there. But it's devastating just to see people's livelihoods just shifted in one minute. Or it's like in America when you see the uh, tornadoes. And you see houses completely just taken off. You wouldn't, how would you feel if your house had just one minute, you, you left work to come home to find out you no longer live anywhere. You've lost everything. And, uh, but we don't have that problem because we're in a kingdom that can never be shaken. Aren't you glad? 
I need to be part of this. This is good for my life. But not only is this, what is this foundation? The apostles and prophets. The apostle builds, the prophet sees. So I can see David at the back wall there. I can see him as he sat down. That's the prophet. I see a man who sat on, the back, on a chair in the back row and I began to prophesy. The apostle says, I tell you what, you see it, I'll show you how to build a road so we can get to him. And he takes the foundations, he takes the word of Christ, and he builds it into the lives of people. So what the prophet sees, it just doesn't frustrate us because he sees it and we can't get there. We've got to have a roadmap of how to get what the prophet sees. Because that'll just frustrate you. You know? So when you say to your kids, you know, uh, honey, when you grow up, you'll get married, you'll have children, you know, you'll, have, you'll be a beautiful wife, you'll have beautiful babies. She says, okay, that seems so far away, I can't visualize that. Well, I'll show you how to get that life. Mum and dad, show the roadblocks. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this, this is the principles of building a good, stable life. So now the apostle and the prophet must walk together. And as they keep walking, the prophet keeps seeing, the, 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 the apostle keeps building. Yes? This is why you need these two foundations in the church. They build on what? Christ. Christ and his word. So, and they build, and, and it's called, he is the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. What does cornerstone mean? It's a corner of a wall uniting two intersecting walls. Yeah? Or it's a stone placed at the corner of a building during a ceremony to mark the start of construction. You know, when Christ came into my life, it marks the start of a construction. I am now under the constructive work of God. He's now killing my flesh, changing my mind, Doing all kinds of things inside me. He is the cornerstone of my life. What holds me together is him. And my willingness to work with him. Yes. Everybody needs a cornerstone. Amen. The other thing it says. The cornerstone can be a person or a thing of prime importance. The basis. The cornerstone of the whole argument. Everybody heard that? The thing that holds the argument together. Well. Then it says this in this scripture. In him. You are now being built together. So, look at someone at the side of you and say, together is the key word. I came in on my own. I may have came with you, obviously, if you're my partner or my friend. Um, Though I may have come in with you, we are being built together. So that you can't say, I don't need you. I don't like that window. I don't like that door. I don't like that, that furniture in there. We are being built together. If Christ is in Philip and Christ is in me, then we are being built together. Now, it might take me a bit of work to get to know him, get to like him. But there's no doubt if we're in the church, we're still being built together. You know, the bathroom doesn't shout down to the settee. I know you're down there. Does it? It sounds stupid, but it's in the house nevertheless. Yes. But the bathroom says, if I crack, you'll know I'm up here. As my house has just found out. But the issue is, it's all in the house. So if we're in the house, we can't turn around and say, we don't need you. We don't need each other. We need a bath, do we not? We need a settee. We need a TV. Well, we don't need a TV. We want a TV. But I do need somewhere to sit and bathe. Now, if I can get the TV in the bath, I'll be okay. <laughs> hey. Yeah, the Hilton, yeah. So God's made us legal residents of this house we're entering into. But also, it's not just kind of house. It's a royal house. 
with a rich inheritance. How many of you know that? If you go to your Bible in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. In this royal house there are chosen people. And what kind of people are they? They're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. A people belonging to God. So there we are again. We keep hearing this word. We belong to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So just the deal just keeps getting better and better. And if you go to flick over in your Bible to 1 Peter, uh, sorry, flick back in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never, listen, perish, spoil or fade. Perish, spoil, or fade. So it's indestructible. Yes? It's kept in heaven for you. Now here's the key, what uh, Kath was saying before. Now through faith. Faith is shielded by God's power. So the devil can't come in and take it. No one's going to steal what God's already got for you. No one. So it's shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There's going to be a time when things will be revealed. But God has put you in this household, a royal household. Amen? So, you know, there's a lot of hard work trying to become a citizen. For many of of our uh, folks here this morning who have not been born in England, who have come to live in England, you know the difficulties of getting citizenship. Amen? It's not easy. You've got to pay to get it. It's not, it's not, you know, we say it's not easy. It seems to be easy, but it's not easy. I know that. I know the papers would have us say anyone can get in. It's not true. But there are rules and regulations. When I was in Dusseldorf, I had to go and help someone uh, go to the British Embassy. You would not believe, just to get a visa to come in England, how difficult it was. That's why people find alternative ways. It's not easy. But you've been given citizenship. You've been given citizenship through faith in Jesus Christ. But what, what does that actually mean? It means you've been given certain rights and responsibilities. Certain rights and responsibilities. Now, I've also then gone to an initiation ceremony. Anybody ever been to an, an I can't say, initiation ceremony? Anybody ever got citizenship from another country in England? No? Well, when you go, you've got to, you've got, you know, you meet the Lord Mayor. Wow. You meet the Lord Mayor and you have an official ceremony and uh, he gives you all a card and they all have to uh, pledge their allegiance to uh, not the flag, but to the constitution of Britain. And you have to uphold to be a peaceful citizen and and all that kind of stuff. And this is why when, when you have terrorism, what they never tell you is you can always get them on that. If someone's had natural citizenship, you can always go back and say you broke the oath. Because you made a vow. I promise to uphold, to upkeep peace and society and all the other mantra they have to go through. But you have to go through a ceremony. Now, you and I didn't have to do that. We just went, we said the sinner's prayer. We said the sinner's prayer. Jesus Christ, I need you. I'm a sinner. That was our pledge. You are the way, the truth, the life. Come into my life. I want to know you. I want a fellowship with the Father. Take my life and do something with it. That was our citizenship. 
Yes? And based on, our tr- on, on the sincerity of our confession, Jesus said, enter in. That was it. Now, the Holy Ghost doesn't keep coming up to you and saying, you know, you dirty, rotten liar. He doesn't say that, does he? And he doesn't say, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to revoke your citizenship. He never says that to you. Why? Because he doesn't work by manipulation. He doesn't. He leaves you to work some things out. He can't work on your, he can only work with the sincerity of your heart. He can't work on any other uh, currency other than the sincerity of your heart. Do you know that? But how many of you know, when you become a Christian, you've already been, that darkness, the Bible says, he called us out of darkness. What does that mean? He called us out of darkness. In other words, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible describes that as darkness. Jesus is light. Anything outside of Jesus Christ is darkness. But darkness has a character. Darkness has a system. Darkness has a way of showing the world it's, it's real. The Bible calls that darkness, you ready for this? Babylon. Babylon. Not the, not the Babylon that Pharaoh was part of, but the system and the mentality of Babylon has now captured the world. It's now captured the world. And we've all been part of this system. That's why we were in darkness. We didn't know there was a, we didn't know there was a God with light. We didn't know there was a kingdom of heaven. But we came out of darkness. Now listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 18 about this Babylon. Revelation chapter 18 verse 2. With a mighty voice he shouted. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home. Listen. Listen to her characteristics and her nature here. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich for her excessive luxuries. Oh, the Western world's in trouble. Yeah. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out. Let my people come out of her, my people, sorry, so that you will not share in her sins. So here we have to see, we see a picture of Babylon. She's accumulated every type of sin there is. Now, I don't know about you, but if you live on your, where where you live on your street, there's every type of things going on. Yes. There's every type of natured animal in your street, and you're one of them. There is darkness and there is light. There is no truth on the streets anymore. Truth cannot enter in. The Bible says this. When you stand up for what's right, you get hit. Everybody attacks you. You stand up and say anything about homosexuality or lesbianism or anything like that, you get shot down. We're so politically tied up now, we can't say what's right and what's wrong. Unless we're agreeing with the masses. But you know what? The masses don't agree. It's the minority that are trying to tell you the masses agree. Do you know that? The moment you stand up for anything that is truth and righteousness, the earth will attack you. Because it does not share your values or morals. And they tell us, oh, that Christianity stuff, it's outdated now. No one believes it. Yes, they do. We're the fastest growing thing on earth. The church is the fastest growing thing on earth. Millions are getting saved every day. Right around the world. Why? Because this, God has not allowed his church to go silent. God has given a church mass, you know, maximum, high visibility, maximum impact. 
So he says, come out of her. She has luxuries, excessive luxuries. You look on your street, how many people are in debt because of excessive luxuries? Some of us are in debt because of excessive, didn't say luxuries, excessive luxuries. Now, what determines a luxury? Based on your need. If you don't need something, it's an excessive luxury. If you need something, I don't need a TV, I want a TV. But it doesn't say I've got to go and buy a three grand TV, does it? True? Come on, think about it. You need a TV, so you justify your need and go and spend X, Y, Z. With money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Yeah? And you have this massive TV and it's only you watching it. It's not like you invite all the, all the, all the uh, street there, all the church around to watch your big TV. No, no. So you need your own cinema. So Babylon is a system. It, people think differently. People behave differently. And it's this world that the Bible says you're no longer part of. It's this world is what Bible says, I've called you out of that. You can't act like you're, well, I'm a Christian, but I'll just enjoy everything they're doing. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. God says, there's some things you can't dwell with. There's some things you can't play with. Why? Because it's, it, it, it's intent on taking you down. And it will take you down. And that's why it says you've got to be very wise. You live in the world, but we're not part of it. What does that mean? Our mentality says, I'm real. I know I belong here. I know I live here. This is where my responsibilities are. This is where my citizenship is in the natural. But I'm also connected to a kingdom. And that kingdom has to manifest itself through my life. So even though I'm in the workplace, I don't have to adopt all the values and morals of the surrounding people. Yes? Of course I know where I live. I'm not trying to say, take me away, oh Lord, I don't live here really. Of course I live here. Get real. Yeah? So then in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers... Now, hang on a minute. Whoa, just stop right there. We read just a minute ago that in, in our kingdom, in this new kingdom, we're not aliens and we're not strangers. That's right, Tony. You did read that. And that's right what I'm saying. Why? Because we're no longer, he's not talking about the same field now. In, as a Christian, you are no longer aliens, foreigners or strangers. But it says in the world, live as aliens. The playing ground has changed. You see that? So he says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to do what? To abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because Babylon's got a bucket full of them. Yeah. And what do these sinful desires do? They war against your soul. Yes. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What day is he going to visit us? The day you find you're stood next to a Christian and heaven opens up. This morning, heaven was visiting us. Now, if you've got an unsaved person in here and they're in our worship and they say, wow, what's this? That's the day heaven visited us. Yeah? There is a day when heaven will open up and the whole world will see Jesus Christ for who he is. But we are not strangers to our heavenly kingdom. We are citizens, members of God's household. But in this earth, we are told to live as though we are strangers. You see that? Two different playgrounds, two different rules, two different contexts. Romans chapter 13, verse 13 says, well, then let us behave decently as in the daytime. And then he says this, not in orgies and drunkenness. Well, I don't know where they're on that, but not in sexual immorality or debauchery. What does that mean, debauchery? It just means depraved self-indulgence. Yeah? 
Not in dissension or jealousy. You know all those things exist, don't you? Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, the world all the time are all thinking how I can bring pleasure to my life. And their levels, depending on their morality and their value system, they'll just go lower and lower and lower until they get their pleasure. That's called gratifying the sinful nature. Because the sinful nature says, feed me, give me pleasure. Well, maybe you don't know this, but in the world of fantasy, fantasy is one of the most dangerous things you can ever do. Do you know why? Because in the world of fantasy, there are no rules. Do you know that? That's why fantasy will always lead you to utter depravity. And it will always look for a subject to practice your fantasy on. Why? Because the sole object of it is you. I want my pleasure and I'll do what I need to do to get my pleasure. So I keep pushing the boat and pushing the boat and pushing the boat and pushing the boat. Why? Because I've not got enough. I want to go further. And that's why people are taken captive. Because they have no line that says no. Even Christians get taken captive. The moment you open your life to something, it will take you. Do you know that church? So he says in Galatians 5, 19, he said, let me explain to you what this nature is. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, he says. Obvious? Really? What is it? Sexual immorality. Impurity. Oh, there it is again. And debauchery. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Just in case you don't do any of them. Hatred. Discord. And jealousy. Now, I know I've got another group of people now. Yeah? Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Wow. Dissensions, factions, and every sorry, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Wow, I think we've all kind of been sussed out here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, it says, no, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But, I love the but, there's an alternative here. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here's the big one, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law, right? There's no boundaries to these. But to the other stuff he mentioned, there you go. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen, and here's the crux of everything now, have crucified their sinful nature with its passions, And desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We registered a minute ago that we have access through one Spirit. It's that same access that we must live. We must live by the Spirit of God so that we don't fall into a trap to these things. Let's stand to our feet. There is a nature that you and I can adopt so, so easy. And it will take us out. Anybody ever struggling in those areas? Well, I have. I have. And you say, well, I'm only human. You know, how many of you know that's the truth? But you're also spirit. You can't turn around and say, I'm only, I'm only human. No, you're also spirit. Now, what you've got to decide is how much humanity is going to have of you and how much of spirit is going to have of you. How much of the Holy Ghost is going to have of you. Romans 8 teaches, live a life in the spirit by the Spirit.
then you will not gratify the sinful nature. So we have a, we have a choice to make. Holy Ghost or flesh. These two are fighting every day. The flesh says, I don't want to pray. The spirit says, pray. Flesh says, I don't want to go to church. You need a lion. The spirit says, lion, you liar, get up. The flesh all the time, this conversation batting. And one's going to win, one's going to lose. You have to determine which one it is. So if you just raise your hands with me. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.